Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights here with Pete Calderon. We're going to talk about his origin story. He's with Heritage, has been for a long time, but he's done many interesting things and we've crossed paths even before those days. So I'm looking forward to hearing uh, confirmation on some of the things I know about Pete, but uh, hearing some new stuff too, and I hope you'll enjoy it. But thanks sponsors. Heritage is one of the sponsors, as well as Huggins Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, CompC.com, and then of course, Upper Deck, Panini, and Tops. Pete, you're probably familiar with most, if not all of those sponsors, but Heritage was one of the first sponsors I thought of, not just because of the proximity, but Chris has really assembled a strong team and you're you're one of them. So uh, welcome you. to the show and uh, tell us a little about your origin story. Pete Calder. Okay. Thank you for having me uh, first. Uh, my story begins like most collectors. As a young kid, I collected cards. My grandfather had given me a few really old cards from his childhoods. And I think that's what got me started on vintage whoa, 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 cards. Whoa, whoa. Grandfather, I thought I was doing well. My dad gave me cards where Gowdy's and play balls, but what were your grandfather's cards? Were they? He, he gave me a couple of caramel cards and a couple of T206s that he had just happened to save. Pete. And uh, one of the things we did, he, he would take me to Wrigley Field. We go to Cubs games. So that just developed a love of baseball. And then he, when he gave me the cards, I was just, you know, fascinated by them. And then that led into obviously looking for more cards and introduced me to what was being issued. Uh, at the time. And ironically enough, the, the first cards I can remember buying was actually Topps King Kong. <laughs> Obviously, baseball followed very shortly, but I remember the King Kong cards, but I was a huge fan of both the baseball cards, football cards, Star Wars cards, Close Encounters, everything that was coming out, out at the time. I just wanted to collect it all. Was this 70s, late 70s? or what, what Yeah, yeah, it was the mid, mid to late 70s. Yeah. yeah. The first really big year I was into collecting cards that I recall was 1978. That's when they had a couple of friends in the neighborhood also were collecting. So that really got us interested and that got us in trading and things like that. And that's really when it took off for me. Well, I mean, you're one of the few guys I'm going to talk to that's that beats my story about my dad with your grandfather. My dad didn't have any T-cards or E-cards. But uh, because of that, I, I, do we have that similar path here that uh, because my dad had collected and gave me some of his cards, I knew there was more than just 78 tops or 56 tops in my situation. So did you always have some, the allure of the older cards? Yes. Uh, did you move into yes. that pretty quickly? Yes, I did. And I, I, yeah, I think it, like I said, obviously it started with that, but yeah, I got, always was interested in the older cards. In the late seventies, there were some reprint sets that were coming out. I bought all of those. There was just something about the older cards that really grabbed my imagination as much as I enjoyed the modern ones too. But yeah, I always had a, a fascination with the vintage cards and my friends used to tease me that, you know, I, I knew more about the 1909 Cubs than I did about the 1989 Cubs. <laughs> so it was just something that was in me. And I, always, I have a general like for history and old things and antiques and things like that. So it's just always been a part of me. What advantage do you think you had? I just had Steve Grad on, and I know he's a longtime friend. I think there's an advantage in Chicago. There's yes. a reason it's the primary home of the national. It is a fabulous collecting city, and that's that's most of your upbringing, right? Yes, absolutely. I grew up in Chicago. It, it is a great collecting city. It's a great sports city. If you're you know in front of those Chicago fans, those players are, are aren't just liked and adored; they're worshipped. And yeah, it's just, and it's a great town. And like you said, for collectors, it's got such a long history that it really is you know, one of the ideal locations that, you know, next to the East Coast for, for the collector to find, you know, older cards and things. Were you an autograph hound too? Because I, I know ne Never really was an autograph hound. I did briefly dabble with autographs early on. I don't want to say too much, but seeing some of the experiences with some of the players, who well, I will just say were maybe somewhat less than cordial, just turned me off a little bit. And then what I was seeing, what I felt were in terms of auto pens and fakes, and then just maybe just a general distrust. Never really got into got into the autograph part of it. I do have some autographs, but only only ones that I had signed in, in person. But uh, again, you don't have that problem if you're collecting dead people. Exactly. <laughs> you're, you've got that's they can do no wrong. 
Uh, right, right. Yeah, no, no steroid scandals, nothing. <laughs> okay. What did you collect straight through, or did you have a hiatus? I think the only time I t- took a break was when I was in college for a couple of years there. Um, I, I worked through school, so there was a, a slow area. I'll always, always will was reading in any magazines that had come out, baseball card magazine, Sport Americana books. Lou Lipsitz books. So even though I wasn't maybe actively buying for a little while, I was just always reading up on information and still going to shows and look, looking at what was out there and what, what dealers had. So I was always involved. But yeah, there was a little brief time in college when I kind of took a look. Are you, uh, Peter, are you 90% baseball? I would say so, yeah. 90%, base, mostly baseball and non-sports. Yeah. And tending toward older cards. Yes. yes yeah. But I mean, I, I collected the, the modern, what was coming out at the time. But yeah, my interest was always deepest in the older card. Love, love the 50s and 60s, you know, like the Mars attacks, Civil War news. Horrors of War and the Indian gum cards I always like. My real fascination, though, is the, the 1880s and 1890s cards. Just the, the lithography is just absolutely great. And the fact that I went to art school, I got a bachelor's degree in art. So that kind of getting involved in the printing processes and what they were and what they were at the time really gave me a good background for, I think, helped me with the cards because I can recognize reprints. I can recognize print techniques. And it really had, it helped me a lot out in that background. What, how long have you been uh, full-time in the organized hobby? Quite a while. I, st- I started working for uh, Mastro back. I, I knew uh, in grading cards, I got to know, know Derek Grady, and I got to know a couple of people that worked for Mastro at the time. And then when the position opened, I applied for it, and they tested me, and history was made, as they say. So I worked with history. I worked with Mastro for a few years, and then uh, 12, uh, July was my 12th anniversary here at Heritage. I moved from Chicago to Dallas. It was funny. Everybody told me that was my midlife crisis because I just it was turning 40. And instead of doing something crazy, I packed my life up and took a job in Dallas. And it's been 12 years. It was a good decision. And uh, contrary to what people were telling me, no, I don't miss the Chicago winters. And <laughs> it was well, a great I'm move. Saying, uh, Chicago is certainly one of the epicenters of the industry, of the hobby. But so is Dallas now, you know, not just with my old right. company. And, and, yeah, I'm, there's certain things about Chicago. It's a great city. You know, I, I miss the lakefront and things like that. And yeah, there were a lot of collectors there that, that I got to meet and talk to at shows and things like that. Now with you know, with what communication is and the internet and social media, you really don't lose th- those connections anymore. But one of the reasons why I do love the national so much is because I meet so many people and during the year. It's just emails and phone calls. And now I actually get to put a, get to put a face to it and hopefully one day again, be able to shake hands again. And But yeah, that's one of the reasons why I really love the national shows. And I, I've gone to, you know, almost, I've gone to most of them. In your, this is your origin story, and I know that when we, uh, I think you've written for Beckett Media. I don't think that was when I was there. I think that was after, or was it, was it in the 2000s? Yeah, I think, I don't think you were there at that time. Uh, it was when Beckett came out with that vintage card magazine. Yeah. And I, I was, you know, thrilled because the first article I wrote for them was the cover of the first issue. And then I continued to do a column for them for about a little over a year about candy cards, which, which has always been my favorite area to collect. And yeah, that was like one of my big thrills is the fact that I got the cover story. I I can't say that was my call, but if I would have agreed with it if I'd have been there, because you certainly know <laughs> stuff. But uh, one of the things, what my point was, when we hired people like you, uh, who had a lot of knowledge to come in and do a job, they still, in many cases, wanted to continue their collecting because at heart they were a collector. And right. so to what extent have you had to define or shape your collecting? Uh, are there any policies that Heritage has that... It doesn't seem like you'd be able to cherry pick uh, auction items that come out, but you do still, I, I would imagine, maintain some collecting interest. So how do you, is there a policy or is it not, not a big deal? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm still collecting. There is no official policy. Heritage is very clear about what, when they hired me regarding that. There's not an, I know some people have some issues with it, but as an employee, I can bid in the auctions. I pay all the fees. I pay all the taxes. Um, you know, if you want to, Criticize me, yes, I don't pay shipping, <laughs> but um, you know it, it is still something you know that, that employees can participate in the auctions. And the truth is, if you didn't have a deep-rooted appreciation and love for what we're doing here, 
this job would be torture because you would literally be surrounded by cards and boxes and collections and musty smells. And if you didn't love that, you it, 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 it's not a job that anybody could do. So it's only natural that a collector would be the, the type of person you want in a position like this. The only if there was any caveats, you're just careful about selling things. If I do sell something, sometimes it's through eBay. Sometimes most of the time it would be through Heritage if I sold something. And they just don't want, the only, if there was a policy, it was don't do that to an extent where it seems like you're a dealer. Obviously, collectors are going to buy and sell here and there, which I do, but just not to the extent where I would be considered a dealer. I'm basically selling my dupes. That was basically what kind of our policy was. I mean, if you're yeah. like a dealer and you're working on our team, it's eventually. And it's just, uh, I know some collectors don't like that, but. Well, no, but you know, if you're going to consign something that I'm interested in, do you really want me out of the bidding? It's like working in a five-star restaurant, but you're not allowed to try the food. You right, know, exactly. Yeah. You just got to smell it as it goes by and oh, yeah. you work here. You can't have any of that food. Yeah. If you're working for Ford, you're not going to pull into the parking lot driving a Chevy, you know? <laughs> you pull it out, drive it through Chevy. Yeah. yeah. Good point. Good point. Okay. Are you uh, a want list guy or you do, you just, when you're in doing your collecting, you just know what you're, you see something interesting and you obviously know the values extremely well. So are you more opportunistic or do you have a want list? No, I'm basically a set collector. So there's a number of sets that I collect. I just basically look for cards that I like and prices that I like. I've never been a huge condition person. I don't need mints and gem mints. So if it's a card in a set that I want, and if it's a, you know, I have a set value or set price that I know I want to pay, if I get outbid, I get outbid. Believe me, it happens a lot. Uh, but if there's something I really want, I will get silly. But for the most part, yeah. And there's for you know, whatever area I'm collecting, I just go card by card. Been putting together a couple sets for thirty years now, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's, it's it's a process for me, and that, and to me that's the joy. It's about you know I you know I look at certain cards and I remember who I bought them from and conversations we had, and and uh, fortunately getting to the point now where people are retiring from the hobby or they're passing away, and so it, it's nice to have those memories and not not just an album full of cards. I'm old enough to be a dinosaur. I didn't think you were too. <laughs> I think <laughs> we're, we're old school in that regard. But uh, right. are you uh, do you upgrade or do you just have a good enough condition, something's nice enough, or are you? Are, are you looking to upgrade on some of your sets? For the, for the most part, no, because I'll buy a card in a condition that I like. If it's a really rare card and it's horrible condition, then I, I will buy that. But uh, it, ironically enough, even if the opportunity comes to upgrade, I really don't. It, it's just not that never been a focus for me. I, I like to have a nice even condition range mid-grade, but upgrading is not something that, that I do a, a lot. Again, I, I think this might be the last question here, but how big an advantage do you think you have, not for working at Heritage, but because of your art background and your understanding of printing, that you would be one of the very few guys who does not have to buy graded old cards. I, I would say that is very true. And yes, my background has helped me in, in this term where I get the greatest advantage is recognizing forgeries, recognizing reprints, recognizing old, you know, old lithography. And one thing I remember is a poster a guy was selling. Well, I, I recognized the font and the font wasn't developed until the 1950s, but this was supposed to be a poster from you know, 1909. So I told him, I said, well, there's no way this poster could be real. So that, in situations like that, I definitely had, have an advantage with my background. And like every other collector, I bought bad cards. You know, it, it's always once we always have that experience. Working in the printing companies, I was able to have access to the cutters and printers. So I actually took the bad cards that I bought and I actually cut them up for no other reason, just to see the cuts, just to see the, the, what this printer would do, what, what that cutter would do, what this cutter would do. So having that access, you know, it definitely has helped me you know, considerably. I don't know that uh, your origin story is compelling. It's just that people can't turn back the clock. You actually paid your dues. And uh, it's oh, yeah. the reason why with candy cards, if you find these e-cards and they're and T cards, you're out there. And if they're not graded, sometimes there can be suspicion there, but you're somebody that can, you know, can fend for yourself and know that this is, it, it just might be a collection that never got graded. True. 
True, very true. Because a lot of times collections are recently discovered by people, so they're not going to be graded. But yeah, the, and these, this is the era of grading, and there is a really high-grade card being offered somewhere. People have to ask the question, why isn't it graded? But I, I yeah, like like you said, I mean, I, for hopefully more than most, I'm, I'm able to tell without it being graded whether or not the card card is good or not. Uh, we're going to stop now, Pete, but I just, I just, again, it's really cool when I hear the story of somebody that their gifting and their experiences all come together to give you a really important niche in the hobby. And I, I try to do that myself, but, well, thank I, you. Thank you. Skills, yeah, but I have some math skills. So, uh, <laughs> thanks listeners. Thanks, Pete. Uh, thanks Heritage and other sponsors. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode. The man-